19. This is something I never thought I would say on the air, but we're sold out of old crop sorghum. Hmm. So we're going to find, yeah, I know. We're going to find out more about that coming up at 1219 with the folks at the National Sorghum. Nebraska FFA Foundation about a great program that can actually help Nebraska FFA chapters and their students. And then Alex will wrap up everything here at 117 as we continue our Women in Ag series brought to you by Tyson and the Nebraska College of Technical Agriculture. She talks with Robin Mann of Sutherland, today's Women in Ag feature. She's been working with the Andersons in Paxton for 10 years and has worked her way up to the ladder of operations supervisor. So that's what's coming up on a midday from us. And remind everybody, the Women in Ag feature, I know that's been a, a somebody, something that people have kind of gravitated towards. If they miss an interview, want to go back and listen to some of the other interviews, where can they do that? They can find it right on our website if they if they go to the Rural Radio Network and then they can click on the podcast and they'll find a link. And when this is all said and done, we'll wrap everything up on Friday. Alex is going to compile all the interviews into one page for them to find even easier. Okay. Good stuff. Well, I appreciate it, and uh, we'll look forward to all the information coming up. Sounds good. Hope for rain. All right. Yes. Thank you very much. All right. Let's turn things over to Jason Jorgensen in sports, and uh, what do you have for us on this Tuesday? A couple of Huskers uh, have decided they will not use their extra year of eligibility from the NCAA when it comes to volleyball. One of them is Jazz Sweet. Of course, Jazz has been a major part of the Husker program for a while. About a month back, Coach John Cook was asked, you know, hey, do you have to go back and re-recruit your seniors? And he said, hey, I'm not re-recruiting anybody. He says, if you don't want to be here, which I can understand where he's right. where he's coming from there, you either want to be in the program or not. My guess is uh, Jazz Sweet and uh, a couple of the other Huskers are not done playing. They just will resurface somewhere else. Yeah, and it's an interesting situation. It's a rare situation. You know, you get an opportunity to play again, but listen, you also have to kind of go on with your life, and some of those already have opportunities outside of college, and like you said, I would imagine she'll play professionally somewhere. Mm-hmm. Or she could end up in another college. She may not... Uh, True. I mean, she just doesn't have to be a Husker. Also, we'll talk about the Lava Hot Kansas City Royals and your Colorado Rockies, who are now looking for a new GM. They are not lava hot. They are the opposite of that. In fact, their third baseman came in and pitched yesterday because they were so bad. But listen, we're making progress. It's a new era now in Colorado. Uh, thanks for that. Uh, let's turn things over. Bob, how are stocks? Stocks are a little bit lower. Investors are looking over the latest batch of company earnings reports. U.S. consumer confidence uh, rose sharply for a second straight month in April, and U.S. home prices rose in February at the fastest pace in about seven years. Details on those stories coming up. All right, thank you very much. Field work is in full swing, and we know you're in the tractor from sunup to way past sundown. KRVN, the River, and Cami are geared up for 2021 spring breaks. We'll be the ones driving up in a vehicle from Pony Express, Chevrolet, and Buick, Gothenburg, and Pony Express, Ford, Minden, bringing you a hot meal from Skeeter Barnes, the best Nebraska corn-fed beef, and slow-smoked barbecue in Kearney. It's time for Regional Ag Weather Update here on this Tuesday. Paul Perkins joining us here in the studio. And 
Well, Paul, it's uh, drastically different from uh, this time 24 hours ago. Yeah, especially from when you consider what we uh, topped out at yesterday afternoon. It made it up to 95 at Tecama and Wahoo in Nebraska wow. yesterday. Much of the rest of Nebraska on it to much of Kansas with highs yesterday, upper 80s to low 90s. And yeah, right now, temperatures for the most part in Nebraska in the mid to upper 50s and 40s as you go into the panhandle. We do have temperatures where that cold front quite hasn't reached into eastern Nebraska and eastern Kansas. Temperatures there with some sunshine in the low and mid-70s, but we are also as warm as the low and mid-60s over much of northern Kansas. A little bit more reality, I I suppose, (laughs) here of what the temperatures should be this time of year, uh, you know, 60s, 70s. But the one thing we're really going to be focusing on today, later today, I should say, is that potential for severe weather. Yeah, there is a potential for some severe weather, and they have expanded that reach of a slight risk of severe storms now into portions of south-central Nebraska. So right now we do have that slight risk of severe storms. Uh, mainly along and south of the line from about Ord to Broken Bow, down to North Platte and Imperial, on into northwest Kansas and northeast Colorado. So Kearney and Lexington and Holdridge and points off towards the southwest now in a slight risk for severe storms. Earlier was just over southwest Nebraska and northwest Kansas and northeast Colorado. The timing uh, on this potential for severe weather, I'm sure you'll get to that in a moment. Yeah, it looks to me later this afternoon on to into this evening, mainly this evening into central areas, probably developing across the southwest and then moving into the eastern areas, then tapering off as the night goes on. Okay, very good. Well, at least for right now, you know, it's a little windy out, but temperatures seasonal. Yeah, I can't really complain too much about these temperatures. Once again, most of Nebraska in the mid to upper 50s, but as you go into the east where there's sunshine from Omaha into southeast Nebraska into northeast Kansas, those temperatures as warm as the low and mid-70s, much of northern Kansas and the west and central in the low to mid-60s. In behind a cold front today, our temperatures are cooler but still slightly warmer than average with some cloud cover. Low pressure increasing the thunderstorm chance from west to east through tonight. On the backside of that low, some rain and thunderstorms chances lingering into tomorrow. Most of our rainfall totals will be on the light side and range from about a quarter to a half an inch. Some of the storms could be severe, especially over now southwest and south-central Nebraska on into northwest Kansas and northeast Colorado. That's where the Storm Prediction Center does have a 2 and 5 or slight risk of severe storms. To Thursday through Saturday, we were... Looking at a dry period with a warming trend as the ridge of high pressure builds onto the plains. Seasonal temperatures on Thursday warming to 20 degrees warmer than normal on Saturday. Looks like Saturday going to be our warmest day of the next seven. Cloud cover increasing by Sunday with the approach of a cold front. Thunderstorms possible with that front's passage Sunday night into Monday. Our temperatures on Sunday still close to 80, cooling to around 70 by Monday. In the long-term forecast, chances remain good for warmer than normal temperatures for Sunday through May 10th in Nebraska, Kansas, and the eastern two-thirds of the U.S. So things looking up for planning. Rainfall looks to be near normal to slightly below normal in most of Nebraska and Kansas for Sunday through May 10th. There are some higher chances of dry weather over southern Kansas for the early half of next week. A big improvement with that heat yesterday in the soil temperatures. Soil temperatures four inches down at seven this morning, mostly ranging 55 to 60. Along and west of a line from O'Neill to North Platte, McCook, and Goodland, even uh, much uh, still some decent temperatures too on the soil temperatures, mainly in the low 50s there. Key weather factors in the markets include the chances for the dry season starting to set in for central Brazil and a mixed amount of rainfall for the U.S. Midwest. 
In the south and east midwest, moderate to heavy rain the next seven days, delaying the planning and bringing along the threat of some flooding. Northwestern areas of the midwest will have only light amounts of rain with some lingering concerns for dryness. The southern plains outlook looking stormy over the next day or two. A developing storm will produce some moderate to heavy rainfall for northern, central, and southeastern areas of the southern plains. That includes the potential for severe weather. Meanwhile, in the western southern plains, it will be dry with a deepening drought. Primaries, Brazil, central, and southern crop areas could continue to see only light rain in their seven-day forecast. The end of the rainy season appears to be starting up for central Brazil. Some unfavorable conditions for the second crop corn, which was largely planted later than average. Good to hear the soil moisture really warming up yeah. in the last uh, when we have these warming temperatures the last two days or so. Yeah, yesterday those soil temperatures mostly in the upper 30s to low 40s, and now most locations 50 wow. plus and 55 to 60 on the soil temperatures in central and eastern areas. All right. So. Maybe a little rain in there. That, that's <laughs> not horrible in the next uh, day or two, but things are looking up a little bit. Yeah, nothing that's really going to delay uh, the field work of planting too much. Uh, some rainfall amounts probably about a quarter to a half an inch that maybe delayed a day or two, but all in all, some very ideal conditions on the way. Sure. All right. Very good. Uh, for a full weather forecast, where can somebody find that? Weather page, krvn.com. All right. Thank you. And- in the moment help is needed, a call is made, a phone is answered, and a local volunteer fire department responds. Tune in to 880-KRVN Tuesday, May 4th, 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain for our next Rural Radio Forum as we take a look at what keeps rural fire departments in Nebraska running. We'll hear from volunteers, fire chiefs, and state fire and EMS organizations on the role these departments play in rural emergencies. Listen May 4th for the next Rural Radio Forum, focusing on challenges facing rural volunteer fire departments. A recent purchase of U.S. sorghum might mean we're sold out of old crop. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Tim Lust is CEO of the National Sorghum Producers. He's based out of Lubbock, Texas. He said with all the demand, it may put pressure on U.S. producers to grow more sorghum. When we talk about the last year's crop, for all practical purposes, pretty well mean it's all sold. So, um, you know, in terms of supply that is that is around right now to, uh, you know, to go, uh, there, there just really isn't much. Uh, we've pretty well sold the supplies that are there. Um, and, um, you know, certainly there's always a little in the pipeline and there's, there's, there's always a little, but, uh, for the vast majority of, of our crop last year, it's been sold. And, uh, so we're really talking now about the 21 crop that, uh, of course, is in the ground from central Texas south and is yet to go on the ground from uh, Texas Panhandle up through through South Dakota. So, um, you know, we've already started selling, you know, already started selling that, uh, probably have 10% of that crop already pre-sold. Um, and, um, you know, I expect that we will continue to see strong sales there. And, you know, we, we do see an increase in acres. Uh, USDA's, uh, estimate was about an 18% increase in acres. And so we certainly see an increase in acres, but, um, you know, we also still continue to see very strong demand, uh, going into this, uh, 21 crop. So that is, uh, you know, is really solid and and certainly is being reflected in basis bids uh even as the board has gone up a lot of times as we see the board of trade go up and 
and approach these $5 numbers for, for new crop or $6 numbers or, or wherever we're at, you know, you see basis tend to really back off. And, and while we've seen basis back off a little bit from some really high numbers uh, 30 or 40 days ago, you know, those basis levels on sorghum are still at historical high numbers, um, um, you know, certainly in terms of what we've seen for new crop sorghum bids uh, previously. And though the U.S. sorghum industry is celebrating renewed global demand for the grain, it's been a long and windy road, according to Lost. Things haven't been so good the last couple of years before, and so uh, so certainly it's uh, much more exciting to do interviews and fun to do interviews when you get to talk about the good stuff and, and the status of your industry uh, when things are going the right direction. And so certainly had some challenges uh, in few of the past years with a with a bug and and some different trade issues and some different things but uh you know really came through a very solid production year last year of course there's areas in in eastern new mexico and western texas that still haven't gotten any rain for a very long time that uh that you have to kind of kind of realize that but uh from a big picture standpoint the sorghum industry standpoint you know we had a really solid crop and and then we've been able to just continually move that as as we've moved and progressed through the winter and and into spring here so good good place to be in a discussion with you the u.s has three major ports in which to ship the sorghum but it normally will head out of the gulf coast and through the panama canal obviously kind of depends on the boat and the situation whether they go through the canal or whether they go all the way around the horn and uh so some of both, but uh, given the recent circumstances, there's a bit of a backlog there. So uh, certainly there's there's some of both happening right now. Comments coming from Tim Lust, who is CEO of the National Sorghum Producers. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. It is time for Midday Sports. Sports Director Jason Jorgensen joining us here in the studio. And, well, some uh, big news in terms of Nebraska volleyball and who's coming and who's going to be going. Yeah, according to the Lincoln Journal star, Jazz Sweet and Haley Densberger won't be coming back. The two seniors will not use their extra year of eligibility given to all athletes because of COVID. Now, Nebraska All-Americans Lexi Sun and Lauren Stiverns still haven't said publicly whether they will come back. Huskers finished sixth in the final AVCA Top 25 rankings. Here's a stat. Nebraska's been ranked in the top eight of the final poll for nine straight years, and the Huskers' streak of nine consecutive NCAA regional final appearances is the longest such streak in the country. Well, if you're looking to continue your college volleyball career, leaving doesn't seem to make sense to me because of the success that you've had, especially if you're one of the key players in Swede and Sun and Stiverance. But... There's all kinds of talent that's heading to Lincoln with that recruiting class. There so. are, but I don't think that, let's just say Lexi's son and Stiverns, they're not going to be displaced. No I wouldn't think, think so, but, but Jazz Sweet might have been. That's a good point. So uh, we'll see. It's a good right. problem. It's a good problem to yeah, have. right. Uh, Jeff Reidich is stepping down as general manager of the Rockies. I know that makes you very, very happy. Yeah, we have a round of applause for that. <laughs> that finally is happening. <laughs> the mutual agreement between him and the team ends a tenure that did include two playoff appearances, yeah. so you have to like that. But yeah. uh, made some questionable offseason moves. Team is off to a terrible start. He was in his seventh season as GM. 
You know it's a great start when you have your third baseman pitching when you're down 12 nothing in the eighth. Now, that's not uncommon. That seems to happen more and more. Yeah. But it's still, they're hard to watch. I love watching them, but they, they eat at your heart. Fresh off its first four-game sweep on the road since 1999. Surprising Kansas City opens up a three-game series at Pittsburgh. The Royals are 14-7 and and own the best record in the American League throughout a season-high five-game winning streak. They haven't finished over 500 since winning it all back in 2015. Today's game at Pittsburgh starts 535. Of course, I watch a lot of Royals baseball. Right. I don't know if I'm sold yet, but I do know they're better than they've been. Yeah, and like I mentioned, you go out and make some transactions in the offseason. That certainly helps. You have a winnable series with Pittsburgh. They've been playing a little bit better, but uh, it's it's certainly winnable. So, hey, they could be 17-7. Uh, when you have a lockdown bullpen, and that's kind of the way it was for the Royals in 2014 mm-hmm. yep. and 15, if you make it a race to the sixth inning, and if you're ahead... Right. And you don't have guys that give up the lead, you know, that simplifies the game. Well, look at the teams that have won the World Series recently. It's from the sixth inning on, like you said, that bullpen makes a big difference. So we'll see if uh, Kansas City can continue their surprising start. Maryland has hired former Wake Forest coach and KU legend Danny Manning as assistant on Mark Turgeon's staff. Helps to know people. Manning and Turgeon were teammates at KU back in the 1980s. Boy, they had a great day yesterday for the Alma Boys Golf Invite. Southern Valley won at Franklin with second individually. Grant McQuay of Alma had the low round of the day firing a 77. The kids yesterday might have been a little warm. <laughs> yeah. Heat wave came through. They weren't quite ready for that yet. But what a great day uh, for golf and track, and kids all deserve that. Great spring weather. Mm-hmm. Today, not too shabby either. They'll take it. Some. All right, very good. Thank you. Nebraska Labor Commission John Albin and a representative from the state attorney general's office attended a briefing Monday at the state capitol to answer a letter from Senator Carol Blood of Bellevue and supported by Senator Jen Day of Omaha about unemployment insurance fraud issues. Following the briefing, Senator Blood was asked whether she was satisfied enough is being done to A, look into the problem, and B, recoup the tax dollars. The concerns that we have specifically are the fraudulent claims that were paid to overseas crime rings, um, both in Russia and in Nigeria. And after looking at several audits, we found that tens of millions of dollars had been paid out in fraudulent claims, and that is money that has not been recouped as of today's date. Senator Blood says Monday's meeting did not answer all her questions. Senator Blood says it's been 14 months since the pandemic hit. Why did we not have security measures put into place prior to the pandemic? And then why did it take so long to address the issues after the pandemic hit? End quote. Senator Blood gives the Department of Labor credit for putting security measures in place, but she feels it's too little too late. Senator Blood says there's still no protocol in place to try to get those funds back from the criminals. Republican agribusiness owner Charles Herbster has officially launched his campaign for Nebraska governor. Herbster of Falls City emphasized his agricultural roots and his ties to former President Donald Trump during his formal announcement Monday in Fremont. Herbster is the owner of Herbster Angus Farms in Falls City and the owner and CEO of Kansas City, Missouri-based Conklin Company. He also worked as an agriculture advisor to Trump. Herbster joins a Republican gubernatorial field that includes University of Nebraska Regent Jim Pillen, a hog producer from Columbus, State Senator Brett Lindstrom of Omaha, has also announced his intentions to enter the race. 
A Nebraska man has died in a crash between a pickup and a semi Monday at 1.45 p.m. in Fremont County in southwest Iowa. The Iowa State Patrol reports 47-year-old Michael Cox of Ravenna, Nebraska, died when his eastbound vehicle crossed the center line of Highway 2 and struck the rear dual wheels of a semi driven by 35-year-old Nathaniel Pigolo of Salisbury, Missouri. The patrol says when the collision occurred, the left front tire of the pickup came off and was struck by an SUV driven by 24-year-old Veronica Marie Barreto Rosa of Lincoln, Nebraska. The other two drivers were not injured. A former South Sioux City High School assistant football coach accused of sexually assaulted a student has waived his right to a preliminary trial and has been bound over to a trial court for arraignment. The Sioux City Journal reports that 25-year-old Nathan Rogers of South Sioux City agreed on Monday to be arraigned on the charges in district court. Rogers was arrested in March and charged with first-degree sexual assault of a child and child abuse. The charges stem from allegations by a 15-year-old girl that Rogers grabbed and sexually assaulted her at his home last December. She told investigators she had gone to his home because Rogers promised her a vape pen used to inhale nicotine and flavorings. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Ellen Simmons. Bryce Duskin joining you now on the Rural Radio Network. And joining us in studio today is Stacy Agnew. She is the executive director of the Nebraska FFA Foundation. Stacy, thanks so much for coming in today. We sure appreciate it. Yeah, glad to be here. Well, I assume this has to be one of your busiest times of the year. You're coming off the heels of the state FFA convention. Give us a recap first. How did that go? Oh, convention went great. It was a virtual convention this year. Um, and our state FFA officers were able to do the convention sessions live on a production stage. And then I would say convention lasted about three weeks. I actually had an ag teacher tell one of our staff that said, I think I feel like I'm in day 10 of convention. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So there there was um, online uh, live and recorded uh, competitive events from career development events. Proficiency awards were live. Uh, LDEs were leadership development events. The speaking ones were also live. So I'm, you know, I'm just really glad that the students were able to have still just a premier experience virtually the best that could be done by the FFA association staff. Well, let's uh, Stacy pivot a little bit and talk about one of the programs, uh, which is the local grant program, an opportunity for uh, both classrooms and students to get some money to help out with some of their projects. Tell us more. Yeah. So this will be the fifth year of our local chapter grant program. And it is, I mean, we have just been so excited to see this twofold uh, the the program grow at least on the foundation side for us to be able to have the capacity to support local ffa classrooms local ag ed classrooms and students supervised agricultural experiences so just throw in a fast fact that i think a lot of people don't know is here in nebraska most career and technical education classrooms across the state don't receive state dollars most career and tech ed programs like education are funded through local property tax. So what that means is sometimes there's gaps with what financial resources are available locally and what it takes to really deliver quality programming to make sure that students are career ready and they have the resources that they need to be prepared for careers in agriculture. It it definitely can be um, a burden for some school districts. And so what we have found for our FFA and Ag Ed programs is this local chapter grant program really helps fill that gap and that need. For the chapters and the FFA chapters, mm-hmm. that is, they, they can apply for up to $10,000. Yeah. Give us an example or two of where yeah. that money could go. Yeah. Um, so 
couple of my favorite stories are Valentine. They were one of our first local chapter grant recipients. Um, they had a plasma table. And um, Brett Nolette up in Valentine, he is he just does a fantastic job with um, the whole welding side of his ag ed program. And so the plasma table that they had before had no ventilation. The room would be full of smoke. Um, the computer system that was way outdated so there wasn't any new designs that they could put on so um that's an example of we they got ten thousand dollars from us and then the school district at valentine also put in another ten thousand they were able to get a plasma table they're doing all sorts of things from um different gates to be used on ranches um to um to, to different types of pens it's pretty cool the different things that they're doing up there think about what needs to be in an ag classroom to get kids excited about ag to give them hands-on learning um, from greenhouses to shop equipment um, to just basic classroom supplies that's what we're looking to help to fund and support hopefully inspire some of those students to perhaps use something they're le- use they're learning yeah. in the classroom to then implement as their supervised agricultural experience. Absolutely. And speaking of those, you're offering grants up to $2,000. Yeah, yeah, we are. So this we this last year, we funded um, 12 SAE grants for students. Um, this was the most that we ever had last year. In fact, overall, um, <clears throat> there were close to, um, there were 58 applications in total. Of students, we had about 30. And so we were able to fund a little over, like I said, about 12 of those. Um, one of my favorite ones is Markenna Mar- Terryberry from Imperial. Um, we'll have a story in our newsletter that's just going out. But she has a succulent business called Growing Grace. And I don't know, my, my kids love succulents. I just think they're <laughs> the cutest little flowers ever. But she's made, she grows them. Her parents, she had a greenhouse and she has a website um, and that's just really cool and fun to see. Students and chapters can apply uh, online at your website. Mm-hmm. The deadline looks like it is June 30th of right. this year. Remind the folks where, what the website is, and I'm sure you're also uh, willing to take donations if people want to help support this program. <laughs> of course. So our website is www.neffafoundation.org, and uh, we've got lots of great resources there, but if you are a parent, a grandparent, or somebody in the community that wants to give an FFA member um Help them out and give them a heads up. We'd certainly appreciate those donations, but also direct them to our website to apply. Um, we really want to help to support more chapters and students across the state. What's well, important your work you're doing? You're Stacy. I appreciate you. the information. You stopping by today. Good yeah. to see you. Thanks, Bryce. I'm Bryce Dusky reporting on the Rural Radio Network. This Women in Agriculture series is brought to you by the Nebraska College of Technical Agriculture. Robin Mann has worked at the Andersons for nearly 10 years now and has progressively moved up the ladder to get to where she is today as an operations supervisor. She's originally from Sutherland, Nebraska. So ag has always kind of been a part, you know, it's always been around, I guess. Um, But I didn't really get started until I moved back from Lincoln in 2011 and needed a job and knew somebody who worked at the elevator and came over and applied and that's how it started. I knew nothing. (laughs) I started 
dumping trucks and cleaning tunnels, you know, very <laughs> simple tasks. And now I am actually a operations supervisor with the Andersons. So it's been a journey, a learning process. And Robin said that learning process is one of the greatest things about her career at the Andersons. This, I would say everything has been a learning lesson, even though I've been around ag my whole life. Um, I never really knew anything about farming or, you know, just grain production in general. And then you throw on top of that any mechanical type <laughs> processes. I knew nothing about how to take care of the facility, let alone manage the grain that was in the facility. So I've learned a lot in the last 10 years. Never something I thought I'd see myself doing, but I actually love it. And Robin said even though she didn't originally picture herself with a career at the Andersons, there's been a lot that's helped her stick with it. The fact that I don't do the same thing every day, day in and day out, there's always something different that comes up every day. And I enjoy the producers, the community feel that you get at the facility, whether it be harvest time or, you know, when we're shipping grain out with the the various trucking companies that we use, it's always just kind of our little community is how it feels to me. It's also important to mention that Robin is a full-time mom, and she said it's all about balance. Oh, my goodness. Um, it's a little tricky at times. I am very thankful for the Andersons. They're a very good company to work for and um, allow me to make as many of the kids' um, activities as I possibly can and still be able to, you know, support us. So <laughs> it's it's a little trying, especially during, you know, our busy times harvest or, you know, um, when we're into a ground pile picking it up and things like that. But I enjoy the fact that I'm able to show the kids that, hey, you can do both and still find a happy medium. Robin said that finding that happy medium can be challenging, especially when you're first starting out in a job that's completely out of your comfort zone. But she said... Don't sell yourself short. You know, you are capable of more than you probably ever give yourself credit for. Um, don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to try. You never know what you're going to like or dislike until you actually try it. And even if you have a few hiccups along the way, you're going to take something away from it and be able to apply that anywhere or doing anything, even if you don't decide to stay in that particular field. And finally, one more thing you might not know about Robin. I can weld, I guess. <laughs> not very pretty, <laughs> but it'll hold. <laughs> that again is Robin Mann of Sutherland, and she's the operations supervisor at the Anderson's Grain Facility in Paxton, Nebraska. This Women in Agriculture feature is brought to you by Tyson. Playpad on the Rural Radio Network as we talk now with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing and Chicago Publisher of the newsletter this week in Grain. John, coming across here, a little bit of a mixed trade overall. I still think, though, that mental number circling around a lot of people's minds as we come into the close is that $7 corn we've seen in the overnight trade. But are we finally just starting to get a little too top-heavy in this market? And that's where we see some of this pressure come in in this afternoon session. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a trade that's going to have a lot of air bubbles in it, just given that a lot of folks are are, uh, are prepared to buy breaks because they're already in the market. So, um, you know, last night was typical 
prototypical uh, capitulation, if you want to define it. I think you look at the deferred contract specifically in December 22. That's the one that I'm kind of have my eyes on right now. It just traded 520, which tells you somebody blew out. And, uh, you know, that's a thin market. Somebody basically had to take positions off either because they couldn't afford them or change their opinion on the market. And by the time we woke up and the sun was rising here, we were sub 495. So I think that's going to be a pretty significant price point for that market. Um, on the front end, though, I'm very bullish. I mean, I don't know why at this point, uh, you know, the, the fact that I think I said $7 a week ago, it's, it's all just a guess at this point. Um, the, you know, I've heard talk of maybe the bill, which is trading around $105 a bag, $105 real a bag. Some folks are thinking 120 is the number that we'll see. Uh, it's at 106 right now. So obviously some appreciation there. If Brazil goes up, we'll go up. Uh, and, and, you know, go to for, for some, some news to sell, I think would be the wheat market in the short run. Um, just given that the, the, you know, the offers that we're getting from, from Egypt are high, but they're not, they're not at, you know, 720 price level high. So now yeah, the, the July KC wheat cool off a little bit here. If the conditions return, I know we saw a little bit of a break last night, but I don't, uh, I don't know. I've always been told we got to kill the wheat crop seven times each year. So I know this is, well, we're getting close to the end, but, um, you know, wheat to wheat, it'll grow. And over on that wheat side, with Egypt pulling their offers today and, and not actually going through with a purchase, is this a situation where maybe they're hoping there's some market impact, or in the fact, are they eventually going to have to step up and buy no matter the price? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's an interesting dynamic. I'm seeing this across the buy side, really, um, where these guys, these board corporations, they sit down and they want to say, oh, why are we buying X amount of bean oil at this price? And it's like, listen, it just rallied. You know, I think everybody is prepared to be buying new crop supply here, just like they were out of Brazil. And there's a lot of businesses that are thriving right now that are going to buy regardless. So, um, you know, somebody told me today, soybean, soybean oil is in everything. And look at that market right now. That's John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago. More at danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, train future and option of all risk of loss. All right, thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up this midday on Tuesday. Catch the Midday Podcasts, available at krvn.com or on iTunes or Spotify.